Cool. That's, uh, again, we've been uh, promoting this for the past few weeks. Now it's going to be an awesome time if you've got people on your heart. I really encourage you, as Andrew said, to keep praying for them. Keep uh, uh, asking God who you might be able to invite to this. It's actually quite a really easy thing to do. I mean, it's hard sometimes to ask people, but it, it uh, does a lot of the work for you um, in, in Alpha, which is really, really cool. So, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 4 tonight. Um, it's good to be with you. Uh, so it's <clears throat> this is the last one I do believe uh, in our James series. Um, so we didn't, we're not going through the whole book of James. We kind of went through most of chapter one all the way through to chapter four here. Um, so it's chapter four, verses thirteen to seventeen. So it's on the topic of looking to the future. So let's read it. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow. We will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's a really, really cool topic, this one. And I wanted to, it's a pretty easy um, kind of way I'm going to section it. I've got three kind of main points. The first one is found in uh, verses 13 to 14. And literally how I've summed this up is that don't presume that you know what tomorrow will bring. Don't presume what... Uh, that you know what tomorrow will bring. And I've talked about this before, and I'm going to un- 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 uh, uh, unpack this a little bit now, but we kind of, in particularly now in our, in our day and age and in our society, we have almost an over-realized or an overconfidence in our own control over life and over the future. We have a huge amount of confidence, probably we, and we actually do have a little bit more control like any other time in history, really, but it's kind of given us too much pride uh, for how much control we really do have, and I'll, I'll go into it. So, we live in, in, a, in a society that has a really strong encouragement um, to live however you want, to, to see and live however you please and, and, and you're encouraged to do that. You want to do that, you go for it. You want to be that, you go for it. That kind of thing. We have modern medicine and surgery and different things. We can actually, uh, where once we didn't have a lot, we have so much to help us now. We have so much to make us better. We have so much to, to uh, in surgery and in modern medicine and all these different things in hospitals like no other time in the past to help us. Uh, to, to, uh, and we can actually control our body to a larger degree than any other time before. We have modern, uh, sorry, transportation. I know that sounds funny, but you have the control to get in your car and go a very long distance in quite a short amount of time. Uh, I know COVID's a bit different uh, now, but you, you used to be able to go overseas. Uh, like you could go halfway around the world in 24 hours. Like it's it's pretty nuts. And so we have control of going over to, to different places. We even can go to the moon, if uh, and which is which is insane. We we can actually manipulate. We can control certain things. We have modern technology. We have the internet. We can instantly 
communicate with each other. We can instantly do all these different things. We can, we can know so much about the world and we can learn. We can have a lot of control on what we do and don't uh, know uh, to such a large degree like any other time before. And we've got the Industrial Revolution in the 20th century where we see the, the dawn of mass production of things where it didn't take forever to make a chair. Now they can just pump it out one at a, all, like so many at a time and you can just go to Ikea and it's there. Do you know what I mean? Everything. You can mass produce cars, you can mass produce houses to get built and flat packs and all these different things. And We've got time-saving devices. We've got agricultural manipulation and technology, and which can be really, really cool. Like once upon a time, you could, you used to just kind of like you just kind of uh, let the elements do its thing. You kind of you put your seed down, and then you just hope it rains, or hope it doesn't rain too much, and then the sun uh, that it's like there's a drought. But now there's actually so much you can do. We can. Um, to, to help that process and all these different things. We've got automated everything and even like you see, I don't know, all the different... Oh, I'm going on a tangent now. I was thinking about apples and like bananas and how you can genetically modify things and we, we have a lot of control. And science finally has given us a lot of knowledge about how the world works. And it's all, this is all, for the most part, quite really cool things. We can know how things work. We can know and control things like... Uh, more than any other time in history, and so, and this is kind of where I think we have an overrealized sense of control. And I'll get to this in a sec. But what adds to this overrealized sense of control is that we also live in a time where we have so many opportunities and options all the time. So many opportunities and so many options at our fingertips. And I kind of alluded to this before. And this is, this is like a time like no other. And kind of you have so many different things that you can choose from in life. So many different careers, so many different study opportunities, so many places around the world you could live. Well, not as much now, but you, you have a lot of opportunity. You can be whoever you want. You can live however you want to some degree. You, can, you have a lot of options. You have control in that sense, or at least a feeling of it. And why I'm saying these kind of two things, though, is that when we have an overrealized sense of control combined with this kind of um, with living in a time where we have so many opportunities so lots of opportunities and options not always bad I'm saying and then lots of a little bit more control than any other time in history we tend to think <coughs> that um, we can plan ahead in time that we can look into the future probably more than the reality is even there we tend to think where, like this passage, like in verse 13 uh, and 14, where it says, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. We seem really, really certain about what's going to happen um, because we have this control. We tend to think that we can work everything out ourselves. I'm a chronic person for this. I, I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can work it all out for myself. I've got the power. And therefore, what that kind of does, and this is part of what James is getting at, is that you don't actually rely on God. You're not really looking to him. You're actually looking more to yourself. 
And in a sense, we're, we're therefore, we don't look to him and we think, in, or maybe we might not be consciously thinking about this, but kind of our actions when we look to ourselves are kind of saying, actually, I'm better to, than you, God. Like, I can do better. I can do better with the future. I can control more than you can. We don't feel the need to rely on God when we feel this real big sense of control all the time. We've kind of, it kind of boosts our pride a bit and kind of goes, yeah, I think I can do this. I can do this, I I can do this independent of anyone or anything. And that's a big part of, I think, what this passage is actually um, showing us today. Because the reality is, and I've said this before in other sermons, is that even despite the, the fact that we do have quite a lot more control over different things and that we do have all these opportunities, we still have quite little control over the future, in reality. Um, if you haven't met that yet, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll find it one day. You, you think you're, you're on, top of the, on top of the world and you can just get through everything, but things happen out of nowhere and you have no control over it. Life is actually quite fragile. Very encouraging message, isn't it? Um, life itself and its circumstances can be taken away in an instant. And we think we have control. For instance, you've got natural disasters. Um, I know we have a lot of technology now to see certain things in, in, in advance and kind of warn people, but to a large degree we have no control over that. A huge one is the actions and thoughts of other people. You have, almost, you have very little control <laughs> over what other people think, over what they do and their actions. We have very little control which accounts for a lot of things. We have random diseases like COVID that plague the world. Sure, we're getting on top of it, but we didn't, we didn't see that coming. We couldn't look into the future. We couldn't control that. And we still can't control it to a very large degree. Finances, if you think about that, um, if this isn't reality for you yet, you, you'll learn that finances are a bit up and down. Like things cost more, you can lose money, or this comes up, surgery here, all these different things, or the housing market goes, or it goes way too high and you can't afford anything. And all these different kinds of things. It only takes one phone call to change your life forever. It takes one phone call and you didn't have a control over it. One car crash. And the list goes on and on and on. And that's why Jesus, I'm sorry, James is, says that in reality we are but a mist that appears for a bit of time and then disappears. We are but a mist that appears for a bit of time and then disappears. We have very little control in the grand scheme of things and we won't actually be here for that long. In the, in, if you think about how long we've been around, how, wherever you want to gauge that in terms of time, we're, we're, we're here for a very small amount of time. We're like a blip. We're a mist that kind of is here for a bit and then we're gone. And I haven't quoted him in a while, but I, I remember listening to a sermon similar to, um, similar to this by my man TK, Tim Keller, where he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said basically the reality, and re- get ready for some awesome encouragement, He's, he said, the reality is that most of us, uh, for most of us, within a couple of generations after we've passed away, at best you will be forgotten. Like, it's a, it's a weird thought and you're like, oh, that sucks. Like, I want people to remember me and you might. I'm not saying no one will. But 
I can't remember what my great-grandpas have done or anything like that. I never get talked about it. And like the point I'm getting at and the point he's getting at is that unless you're like that real minute, small number of people in history that did something really, really significant or got remembered for something, most, after, not that long after we're gone, we will be forgotten. We are but a mist that appears for a short time and a mist that doesn't actually have a lot of control. It's encouraging, yeah? So encouraging. It's just like, yeah, thanks, man. I feel like so, for so just uplifted. This is great. I'm going to be forgotten and I'm a mist that goes away. Cool. No, it's encouraging. No. Um, but James's words here aren't actually meant to be discouraging. They're not. They're actually meant to be freeing. They're not meant to be discouraging, but rather encouraging. They're meant to free us. They're actually calling us to humility before God. The fact that we don't have that much control, the fact that we can't really see that far into the future and that we're only here for a small amount of time in the grand scheme of things actually shouldn't call us to look more to ourselves and think that we can overcome these things, but it actually calls us to almost surrender, to kind of go, I'm going to walk in humility, I'm going to look to the one who does have control. I'm going to look to the one who does know it all, that does know the future. I'm going to make the most of the time that he's giving me on this earth as a mist per se and I'm going to, I'm going to live it for him rather than for myself because in reality I don't have much control. And this is why in, in verses 15 to 16, and I'll read them again, he, he calls us to seek the Lord, to walk in humility. It reads, instead, verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So the stock standard position we should have when thinking about the future James is sharing us as well as the present is if the Lord wills it, then I will do it. If the Lord wills it, I should do it. I will go. I will do this if the Lord wills it. It's a sense in which we look to his will for our lives, not our own, which is, again, like I've said, is very counter our culture. Our cultures very much look to what you want, number one. Not that that's not always important, I'm not saying that, but it's not number one. We don't look to ourselves, but rather he's calling us to look to God. To kind of go, God, you are in control. You know what's happening. And I may not always know what's happening, but you do. (laughs) And I'm going to surrender to you now. I'm going to walk in humility. It's part of why James says that looking to yourself is arrogance. To think that you know this much is arrogance. It's it's boastful. It's like it's a, it's a, it's an overrealized uh, like control that you might have, or like it's a pride in yourself. And he actually even goes as far to say that it's evil. It's bad. It's sinful. He says in the next verse. 
And it's prideful to do this and, and like I said, therefore sin. Because we're thinking in a sense and we're going back to like, I do this a lot, but you go back to Adam and Eve. You see them in the garden. They, 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 see, they see the fruit of the tree and they see that it's good and it's pleasing to the eye and they want to be, they see that they could be like God knowing good and evil. They could be like him. They could be God in a sense. They could take control. They, they're like, actually, I could do better. I can actually make better decisions. I could control the world. Like, thank you, God. Cool, I got it from here type of thing. It's, it's pride at the very end of the day. And that's why he says this is actually quite sinful. This is going against your very core of who you are or who you were made to be from the very beginning. It's sinful and boasting to think that we have so much control. Because if we're always looking to ourselves, then we'll never be looking to God. Seldom can you... I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Seldom can I... I can't really look over here but see you very well. Not because I'm vision impaired, but... (laughs) No, I can't look over there while simultaneously looking over here. And it's a simple analogy, but I I, I need to look to God. And if if I'm always looking to myself, then I'll stock stand and not be looking to what God might have in my life and in our life. And if we're a people that... Uh, and I'm not trying to put shame on us at all, but kind of an urgency to stop looking at ourselves. And this is for me as well. But if we're a people that claim to be Christians, followers of Christ, then we need to be looking to Him. Do you know what I mean? We need to look less away, less and less away from ourselves and our own pride and more and more to Him. And that's why James, he calls us to humility, he calls us to not be prideful in an unhealthy way, to not boast. He's calling us to look to God. Which leads me leads us naturally to the question of what's God's will then? It seems so like it seems kind of just this um uh stock standard thing is just like, oh yeah, you know God's will, just do it guys, come on. Like uh, and but it's the question. You're just like, okay, well uh, I'm not gonna look to myself, I'm gonna look to the will of God. That's my that's my like compass per se. I'm gonna look to him. But how do we know what it is and how do we find it? So verse seventeen it says So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So like I just said, this verse, it kind of presumes that we know what the right thing to do is in the first place. Um, It presumes we know what to do in the first place. We know what the will of God is and therefore we're going to act it out. We're going to follow it. And the reality is that for most of us here, or if you're new to the church, um, you either do know a lot about the will of God or you can know a lot about the will of God. You really can, to a very, very large degree, and I'm going to go into it in a minute. We actually have, I know this is such a cliche answer, but it's true, we have a lot of guidance in the Bible. We can see the will of God in the Bible, and also through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He acts and he he helps us, he guides us, he's the helper as to what the will will of God is. And I said this last week, but primarily through the Bible, we know a lot more than just this, but I said it last week that 
uh, through the Bible and also through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we know life's we know the answers to life's pretty much most of life's biggest questions. Again, good thing for Alpha. It's it's asking those questions, and we actually have the answers. In a broad sense, we have a huge we have huge resources to pull on here. Do I have a purpose? Am I made with a purpose or am I a complete accident? We have answers to that. What am I called to do in this life? We have answers to that. What is right and wrong? To a very large degree, we have a huge gauge to work that out. How should I or shouldn't I conduct myself? We have answers. Do I have a future? It's there. We know the will of God for these humongous foundational type things. Does that make sense? We know for like the biggest basis of life, the foundations that we stand on, we know those answers and we can know them. If you don't know them, I'd love to tell you. And we know the will of God for these huge answers. Oh, sorry, huge questions. We know that we were created for many, many things, but a few of them being that we are created to love God and love others. We see that in in the Bible. We see that in Jesus. We're called to have relationship with God. Not for him to just be this random thing that just put it all into existence and just tapped out. We're called, we were made to work and keep this this earth. um, To actually work. It's a good thing. We were made, um, sorry, we have many Words that give us a huge idea of how to and not to live, just as I said before. We know that we're all called to be a part of actually restoring this world with God, not adding to the carnage. Where one in big way that we can do that is actually through uh, seeing people come to uh, know Jesus through things like Alpha, hint, hint, um, and, and throughout just our daily lives. Like, that's, like We know that's something we can do and that we are called to do. That is the will of God that other people would come to know him. We know that we have ultimately a future with God if we follow him, if we love him that things will be made new, that sin will be no more and that we will be face to face with Jesus. We know that. We know these big things and we can have comfort and love and forgiveness from all the wrong that we've done in Christ. We have answers. We know a lot about what the will of God truly is and we need to use it. We need to bank on this, and I know it's. I know this is a. It's a process. It's a journey to actually make this a reality in our lives to know the answers to these questions, um, but actually have it as a reality in our lives. It takes time, but it's actually the best thing for us to look to this foundation. It's actually for our flourishing, and James also shows that knowing what to do and not doing it is actually sinful. If you know exactly from God in these and we'll just I'll pick on the foundational senses of what you're meant to do in this life, what you're actually called for, what you were made for, where you're going and you're not acting upon that, you're almost kind of going against the grain. It's not good. 
Again, as I always say, it's a journey. You're not going to be perfect at it. But it does put a certain amount of like weightiness of like, oh, okay, well, it's actually here. I know what I'm meant to do. And I just need to actually continually look to it. I need to put my gaze on God. We know a lot about the will of God. And if we know what to do, but not what we have a pride in ourselves to think we can do better, then of course it's sinful. <laughs> because again, we're looking to ourselves, not the one, the creator that we're meant to look for. And I don't think this passage is so much trying to get at that we're not, we're not meant to have plans for the future at all. I don't think it's actually saying that. I don't think planning for the future to some degree is actually a bad thing. We should be thinking about the future to some degree. We, we are told a lot about the future in certain ways in the Bible itself. We know certain things, but there's certain foundational things that drive us as we go into the future. But the key is here that we're actually looking to God for what the future holds and we're relying on what he would have us do in our lives rather than ourselves. That's the key. And we have a huge resource to work that out. We have huge resources. And it, it takes humility to, to walk in that, to know that God has the answer and that I can't ultimately control what's ahead of me. But when it comes to the future, and I'm going to finish on this, this little bit, um, is that when it comes to the future, the problem most people have, and I've had this, this thought in the past, I think we've all had it, when it comes to the will of God, and I actually have a sermon coming up in maybe just under a couple of months' time, uh, literally on this topic. Um, so I won't, I'm just going to fly through a little bit, just dot points. But, most people, when they think of the will of God, they're kind of more, they're not as much going foundationally. They're kind of going, should I marry this person? What, like, what career should I pick? Or um, what, what uh, friends should I be hanging out with? Should I move over here? Should I buy this house now? Should I, like the bigger, kind of more real specific questions of life, often we're like, oh, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? And that's a, that's a justified question. I get it. And I don't have a full answer, but I have a reasonable one here. And it often feels like the Bible can't really tell you specifically what you should study, yeah? <laughs> or what your career should be like. Or like, should I do mechanical engineering or whatever? Like, where should I live? You can't really go to like Psalm 23 or something like that for that. You can't do this kind of thing. Who should I marry? I mean, there's a lot of, I'll get to this in a minute, there's a lot of good uh, foundations you can work out and who you should marry and that kind of thing. But it's not really that that specific to your life, yeah? And that's what I'm getting at. And a lot of people understandably have this, these questions. That's a big topic. But I just wanted to, I wanted to hash out a few things. So number one, when, you're tr when trying to work out these questions, the answers to these questions, we need to do our best to look to the answers that we do have. Uh, not, the, not get caught up in the answers we don't. We need to look to, like I've said, the foundational questions. 
questions of like, why am I here? We know why and we know what our mission is. We know all these different things. And often, I'm not saying in every single circumstance, but quite often that will inform you. And, but if you're not looking there from the very start, it's, it's, not gonna, it's gonna be a hard road, is what I'm saying. We should be looking to the foundational answers, the big ones for the, for, for, for our lives in the first, our lives in the first place, sorry. And that will greatly inform how you make your decisions. It will. The basis of where you look to, the heart uh, of what you look to will, will help you. And if, if this is new to you and you don't know those core answers, like I say, would love to, love to explore them with you. If you're not sure, you're like, man, I've been here for a while, but I, I just really want to go back to the core of what it means to follow Jesus and why am I here? I'd love to chat with you. Um, but let's look to the actual answers that we do have. Number one. Number two, there actually is a lot of guidance on smaller things in the Bible as well. Like keep looking to the Bible. It might not address every single thing and it might not be exactly specific to your situation because it's uh, thousands of years old, these, these, um, these letters and writings. But there's a lot you can learn about specific situations. There really is. Like you've got wisdom literature, like Proverbs, you've got a lot that you can learn from Psalms. There's there's so much in there. And like through the lives of uh, Paul and Jesus and the, the disciples and all these different things who navigated different things in life and navigated things like careers, things like what do we do next? Where do we go? Like it's there. And which brings me to my next point is that we have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God can actually really speak in those smaller stories. He can speak through his word. He can speak through people around us to help guide us a little bit more in the real specifics of life. And he's there. Like we tend to forget that he is and we get a little scared of the Holy Spirit sometimes. It's just that weird weird cousin on the side that you kind of you forget about but you're not really he's a little funky like sometimes that's how we view him like um but really we're missing out if we're not looking to one one part of the the one member sorry of the of the trinity like it's still god so that is there at our disposal that's probably a bad way of putting in it but it is there and the Holy Spirit, God, is there to help guide us. And just a small little side point is that nothing like when, like God is infallible, but we are not. Like I hope I said that right. Uh, we we can fail. We can we can hear things, and sometimes we don't hear it fully accurately. Which is why we need to know the Bible. Which is why what the Holy Spirit says will never contradict what the Bible shows us, what the Word, the living Word of God actually shows us. So it kind of is a two-edged sword. You can't really just be a, a Holy Spirit fanatic or a, a Bible fanatic. You need both. You need them both to, uh, yeah, you need the Bible to help you with the Holy Spirit and get the team together. Um, and then fourth, sometimes we actually won't get a specific answer. I think that's actually a reality. Um, sometimes... For one reason or another, I don't know. Until you are face to face with God, you may never get a specific answer. But, and I'm going to speak on this in, in weeks to come, but I actually don't always think, I think sometimes that's on purpose. Like, it's not like we're just these completely passive creatures that just sit there and we're just like, God, what do I do? 
do everything for me like we act. He told us to do things with our creation. He told us to walk and that he would be with us. So we may not always have a specific answer. But fifth, I wanted to encourage us is that if you're in that stage of life where you're thinking about what do I study, where do I work, what do I do, all these different things, is that if we're looking to God, if we're looking to the Bible, if we're looking to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, if we've got good brothers and sisters in Christ around us, guiding us and praying for us and helping us, that's a good place to start. It's a massive place to start. We have huge answers just there. And 1 Corinthians, this is like a a coffee cup kind of um, passage, Uh, but it's 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. He says, "So So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that, again, there you go. At the very least bar doing something explicitly sinful and like you just know it's bad, you can do everything to the glory of God. Whether you're a bin man, not there's anything wrong with a bin man. Um, Whether you're like the stereotypical high end of society or lower end of society as a bin man or a CEO of of a huge company, you can do it to the glory of God. I'm going to talk about this later, but like the Bible just does not put as much weight on you guys and on me about what you do with your life in terms of career as our society does now. It doesn't. It just says, you just do what you do and I'll be with you. Do you know what I mean? Follow me. You have answers here. So it's encouraging that we can actually do everything to the glory of God. But to bring it back to the passage at hand and as I sum it up a bit and I'll invite the team to come up. In the present and for the future, therefore, we should have our sights set on God. We should have our sights set on God, not ourselves. We should have our sights set on His will and if we don't quite know what that is, if we're not living from that foundation, as I was saying, we need to take steps towards it. We shouldn't have unhealthy pride in our own ability and sense of control, but rather show humility, almost a surrender to go and go, I can't do this. I need your help. And we need to seek the will of God for our lives every day. We should be diligent to seek the will of God which we have huge guidance and resources in the Bible. We should be seeking the Holy Spirit's guiding. We should be um, talking to our brothers and sisters. We should be living out of what we already have. So I encourage us all, in these last couple of songs and as we go to after church and as you go about your week, it doesn't end here. It does not end here. This should not be your only point of input. Let us always go to the ultimate one, who um, gives us input. Let's go to the source of life itself. Let's look to him. Let's surrender to him now as we do this. Because when we do this more and more, that we become these shining lights, we become salt and light to the world around us. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you once again that we actually do have a lot of answers. Lord, uh, 
it's a it's a great weight off our backs and it's a great encouragement to know kind of the you've made us really unique and you, you love us and we do have a lot of capabilities but it's really quite humbling to know that we don't have as much as you so lord i pray that you'd help us to keep ourselves in check to keep us in check Lord God that we could surrender to you each day that we could look to you not ourselves Lord God I pray that you would be the guiding force as we go through our present day into the future Lord that we'd be able to glorify you that we'd know your word that we'd be able to listen to the Holy Spirit Lord thank you that you love us thank you that you died for us thank you for your grace and we surrender to you now Amen Thank you.